Hey, Justin here, welcoming you back to the pod. First off, yes, we are still live. I know it's been a while since our last episode, but we are still rolling in the takes, I can assure you, and still scheduling recordings. Um, I must confess, it has been hard to stay on top of this show lately. As some of you know, we have lives, wives, jobs, and some of us babies to tend to. But we're still having fun with this, and we hope that you're having fun with us too. Just to get this out of the way, we recorded this a few days before the Big Ten announced its return to college football. So some of the discussions here might seem a little behind the news, because they are. However, we will be recording the day after this episode releases, so we will talk about that in greater detail then, and hopefully it won't take that long to get that edited and sent out. But we still have lots of good stuff to talk about. We're talking football, we're talking baseball, we're talking equestrian sports, wildfires, man football, and we even have a segment about our favorite chicken tender restaurant. But this intro doesn't need to be any longer, so let's eat some dang takes. Welcome. I'm trying to welcome Scott. I'm trying to welcome. We're we're talking about butt cheeks going click clack. We're talking about butt cheeks right now. And I'm talking about talking about cheeks. We didn't talk about the game. We talk about practice. Talk about butt cheeks. Welcome to Let the Meat Takes, the sports podcast for the Outrage Air. I'm here once again with Justin Patton from Athens, Georgia, and Scott Aiken from california safely from california he is not on fire yet but the Make fires, them butt cheeks go click clack baby <laughs> but the fire's getting close the fire's getting close click clack we're safe we're safe we're safe we hope all of you are safe as well well what do you i don't know so scott's in a state that's on fire we're in a state Literally. that's metaphorically on fire with covid You're right. so we have a full hey, spectrum I've of seen disaster it. i've seen it i've seen it trending downward i've seen it trending down but let's all relax you know, I don't I mean, know. maybe our boy, maybe our boy clay maybe our boy clay can help us out he's probably got some takes clay travis is the the ringleader of uh calling out the corona bros which is a really funny term first of all second of all we are trending downward. Still a lot. Still wear that mask. Still be smart. I live in a college town, and it is running rampant through all the the kiddos here. But go figure. They're you know. I was around some. Together. I was around some eighteen year old slash twenty somethings about three or four weeks ago, and I can tell you one thing: they're not concerned. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I, what can, what can you say? Right, making you know large scale you know health and safety decisions that hinge completely around uh, nineteen year olds getting out of the house for the first time ever and making responsible decisions is just a great plan. It, you it's know, foolproof. It's just foolproof. <laughs> foolproof. You but know yeah, that drinking and driving is illegal unless you're in college, and then we just trust you to make good decisions. <laughs> Unless you're in college and it's fun in that case, you should do it. You're not wrong. My favorite thing uh, about going to the gas station here is seeing the uh, 
caught busted. I think what they call it. They have like a whole yeah. like magazine section. Yeah, yeah, it's this whole magazine section that the local newspaper put out, and it's all the DUI photos, and they range from like you know just dopey face frat boys, girls in tears, and then there's like the old surly person who's like, "Yep, this is my <laughs> first <son."> time." <laughs> yeah, first time. Was that James Franco? Mean first time. Yeah. Yeah. Have y'all seen? Have y'all seen the Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix? Oh, I love it. It's so it's good. So funny. It's so is it actually funny? Okay. The I first part is fun. I really enjoyed it. They're, you know, it's different vignettes, and so each one is a little bit different. But some are more depressing than the others. It's true. Some are more depressing than the others. The one with James Franco is is pretty good, and you know, obviously they created a meme out of that scene where he's being hung with the other people, and it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, I will well, get that, started. That click clack here in the background is me adding that to my. Uh my queue on netflix so i'll let you know it's definitely one it's definitely one you can watch in in parts like you can watch the first 20 minutes and then take a break and then watch the next 20 minutes because it is it breaks it up for you nicely so anyway um i'll get us started today with some hasty takes how can we not start with somebody completely ending their career on live television wait we're back (laughs) to the reds already Listen, this I, week's example of somebody ending their career live. Yeah, on last I think was that last time we podcasted. For yeah, real? it's been a while. Yeah, man, I'm so sorry. We've been busy with work, and my son turned one, and so there's been birthday stuff going on. It's been busy. Um, Skip Bayless decided this morning he was Skip? or yesterday. Excuse me, yesterday yeah. he decided he's had enough of uh, uh, TV time. And so I imagine the TV time, I would hope it goes down after what he did yesterday. He decided he was going to make light of Dak Prescott's depression on national television. Um, Dak Prescott, who lost his brother to suicide this offseason and expressed himself having a lot of emotions about it, possibly some depression about it. And Skip Bayless thought that was uh, too soft for somebody who's supposed to be the leader of America's team, America's team, which, you know, if you ever want to piss anybody off, just call the Cowboys America's team. And you've already done it. Um, but he decided, um, they're barely Texas's team. Gosh, it's true. People live on a rock. I feel like we've done a really good job lately of bringing light to mental health issues. And here comes old boomer to tell us that, Oh, if you're depressed, you're just soft. If you are sad about your brother or father dying, then you are mentally weak. You're just not a good leader for the team. I thought about playing the audio of what he said, but I'm not going to because screw that guy. No, I've been wanting him to be off the air for a long time before this. I mean, exactly. haven't we all? <laughs> the thing that's incredible about this is sometimes, like in our last episode, in the last controversy, you had somebody who was caught in the middle of a commercial break on a hot mic talking about a city in a certain way, but he didn't know the mic was on. This bitch decided, <laughs> he said, he thought about it and he said, Okay, you guys might not like me after this. After what I this guy planned it. This after? guy thought it through, and then he delivered his opinion on the matter. It's like, bro. <laughs> if you want any more optics for how bad this is, we are currently in suicide prevention month. 
<laughs> oh no, I didn't know that. You're kidding me. I'm not. Just, just wait till next February when Skip tells us that slavery wasn't that bad. That's so bad. It's so uh, bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. I can't say it's so bad enough. He's, oh man. Ooh, that hurts so good. Uh, but like, yeah, you can't. And of course, you know, like Twitter needs any reason to outrage. You give them a legitimate reason like this, and holy crap, piranhas! They were they were just, and you know, sometimes people like I get. Sometimes they 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 start getting people that I don't really care for, or, or excuse me, that I do care for, or I I don't know. They start getting people just because it's fun and it's just getting jokes off. Yeah. It's just something to do, and they're bored. And I'm kind of like, oh, okay. But, the, you know, when they get somebody who deserves it, it feels really good. And so this time it felt really good. And so people left and right on Twitter are just, like, crucifying him. And I don't know. He does – he is on FS1 now. He's not on ESPN. So part of me is like, maybe he'll make it through this. I don't know because, you know, if this was ESPN, he would absolutely kind of be done. ESPN's a little bit more – labor or whatever but i don't watch either but if shannon sharp uh sucker punches get bayless on their next segment i might start tuning in <laughs> skill Wham. i mean what do you do if you're shannon sharp in that segment i don't know you just kind of let him let him have yeah. it I, you just I lean know. back and wait for the ratings to pile in and wait for the day when skip gets fired the clip i'm looking at has three and a half million views on Twitter. I haven't even watched it. I ain't what yeah, you want. He thought about it and delivered his opinion on it. Yeah. He thought about it. Don't worry. It wasn't a spur of the moment, flying by the seat of your pants kind of thing. He thought about it. Speaking of uh, opinions, John, can you tell us about what Nick Saban thinks about opinions? Nick Saban said, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't do a good Nick Saban. I don't have an opinion about everyone else's opinion. <laughs> I don't have an opinion about other folks' opinions. Which I will say, that. I will say, if people could learn that phrase and tattoo it on the inside of their eyelids, I feel like we'd get so much further as a country. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, can I, excuse me. Can you tell me about what you think about XYZ? It's like, I don't really have an opinion about everyone else's opinion. So uh, yeah, we can move on. Next question, please. Yeah, it's not that hard, right? Like, yeah. It's I, really easy to admit that you're not an expert in lots of things. I uh, I found it refreshing that he was kind of like, whatever, I did this March. If you have a penny about it, you know, go suck on it. You know, there's so <laughs> many coaches that are like either – it seems like the college football coach world has been like adamantly against Black Lives Matter in ways that seem self-destructive and right. masochistic, or they do the Mike Gundy thing where they just – you know, pay verbose lip service and it feels kind of fake. Well, that's the old, I'm a man, I'm 40, Mike Gundy. The, <laughs> the new Mike Gundy is like, new and you know, yeah, black lives do. matter to me. To me. <laughs> if I had known that one American news supported slavery, I wouldn't have worn that shirt in public. Moving on, so uh, I think everybody saw the Atlanta Braves put on 29 runs against the Marlins. Is Hallelujah. 29 a lot? Um, 
Yes. It's too short of setting the major league record. I believe the record is 30 by the Texas Rangers back in 07. Good Lord. I might be wrong about that. You'll have to stat check me on that. Yeah, I watched that game and... Uh, to get about that many runs at a baseball game, the other team has to be doing a lot of things wrong, which the Marlins were. Um, it kind of it had a, but the, the final line was twenty nine to nine. Nine runs is also a lot of runs to give up in a baseball game, and that wins most games, but not this one. And a lot of people made jokes about it on Twitter, but oh, it's like oh, the Falcons just beat the Marlins twenty nine to nine. Good defense, guys. <laughs> the Falcons. Uh, what are you talking about? People were just joking about how like this was the, a football score. It was score. a football yeah. score, yeah. right? Uh, Which bring in Ryan Spader, who is a baseball analyst. He got, had this this great tweet. He says the Braves' offense has more games with at least twenty nine points scored in twenty twenty than the Falcons' offense did in twenty nineteen. Scott, I believe you said on the show one time that the best thing Dan Quinn ever did was uh, fire, or excuse me, hire Kyle Shanahan. Yep, that's his claim to fame. I believe you are correct because uh, if you look at the Falcons' schedule last year, you could point to several games where they're like, no, they scored 40 there, they scored 30-something there, blah, 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 you're wrong. Uh, Upon further inspection, Ryan Spader is actually right. Those games where they eclipse the 29 point mark those were either uh special teams plays or defensive touchdowns and you know that's that doesn't feel good (laughs) it's not great it's not great i cannot believe this is real i don't know how i missed this i I know you posted this but like you're not wrong i'm looking at the schedule from last year and oh my god and this is an (laughs) offense that had julio jones calvin ridley matt ryan um, I guess that's about it. They had a decent <laughs> yeah, line. It, it kind of falls off pretty quick after that. They have two good offensive linemen and then uh, three guys in jerseys for the other spots. They had Austin Hooper, who thank goodness they didn't, uh, you know, shell out the oh, big, yeah. big he, day so, Warbuck. Good, yeah, good player. So can I yeah. be honest with you? I know we're in hasty takes, but I, I heard something today in a different – something else I was listening to. Um, and I heard about, you know, have you ever heard the term diehard fan? Like mm-hmm. people probably overuse that. Like fans of like, the movie with Bruce Willis? Yeah. yeah no, fan, no, 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 no. Big fan of Die Hard. Die Hard 2 was just okay. <laughs> no, no, then we brought back me. the Germans. Big improvement. <laughs> and then um, 4 no, really I mean, jumped like, the shark. Like when somebody's like, oh, I'm a diehard fan. I would, you know, I bleed red and black. Like I'm a Georgia fan or I bleed um, Braves colors, whatever. But, like, I've realized now that I am not a diehard Falcons fan. I'm more of, like, a die-soft Falcons fan Mm. or a die-easy, whatever you want to call it. Because, like, I'm in it if they're, like, competitive. But, but like, they have, like, had this history of just being kind of whatever. So I'm just kind of like, So you're a Fairweather fan. That's fair. I, if you want to call it fair weather, you call it fair weather. That's like what, I'm going, but it's not fair weather in the sense I'm like I'm not dropping the Falcons and seeking out a different like NFL team to root for. That's not what's happening. It's just like I, I'll watch the NFL and enjoy it. I'm just not going to actively root. I'm not like emotionally invested in the Falcons during seasons when they're just like <sighs> yeah. grabbing. 
You know what I, I mean? I uh, have been heavily invested in the Falcons a few times before. I'm kind of fair with that, if I'm being honest. But after that Super Bowl 51 disaster, I did ask myself, do I really want to keep exactly rooting for this team? Because this is a terrible <laughs> emotional investment. But the thing is, can, like, even- can I be hurt anymore? Am I dead inside? <laughs> exactly. How does Skip Bayless feel about that? But but uh, as long as I can remember, I've been a Braves fan, so I do feel even though the if it like let's say the Braves were weren't great right now, I know they're first, but let's say they were last, I would still be watching the Braves. I would be really frustrated and having opinions as to why we're so bad. Like I would still be watching it, and the, I can't say the same thing about the Falcons. Is what I'm trying to say. Like I I wouldn't be following it as closely. Yeah, there's the whole discussion of why the Braves have had statewide support outside of the metro Atlanta area and the Falcons really don't is a different discussion for another day. But I will say I do have a, an interesting piece of interesting perspective to help soften this blow. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at like the top 20 scoring leaders in the NFL history, they're all kickers. Like number one scores, Adam Vinatieri, and number two is like Morton Anderson, so it's not that bad if you're just taking away all their, you know, extra points and field goals because that's the bulk of points scored right. uh, in NFL history. So it's not good, but it's also not terrible. I don't know. It's just very Atlanta. It's very on brand for Atlanta sports. Hit him with that slurp. So. <laughs> So, yeah, the 29 runs by the Braves was the National League record. National League record, Braves yeah. franchise record. The um, modern-day record was 30 by the Rangers in 2007. I did get it right off the top of my head. All right, the, there you go, the John. all-time record for the most runs was 36 by the Chicago was, Colts, now the that, Chicago Cubs. Was that pre-1900? Yeah, it was 1897. Yeah. There's like a whole, if you really want to be nerdy, there's like a whole, like, you can go a deep dive into like modern era versus pre-modern era. Cause like, basically there was just like a, not a lot of great people playing baseball in the 1800s, believe it or not. And so you had <laughs> scores like 36 or whatever. And because people didn't know how to Do play. Do you think there are any players taking a knee and protest against the Spanish American war? back then <laughs> i really hope they were because then it'll just be like as much as things change man if oh they stay the same gosh. or opting out over the spanish flu <laughs> oh my God. what's interesting you know what i've always wanted to do i'm waiting for the i know that they're out there i know that there are like negro league documentaries out there but i'd be so interested to to watch those and see how like how those came about and how they progress and when Jackie Robinson came on the scene, because like, it's, it's just so mind boggling to know that there was this whole segment of American population that just was not playing in the professional leagues or just not able to engage in, you know, normal, uh, no, well, civil yeah. life and yeah, yeah, other know, obviously <laughs> amongst other things, but like, you know what I mean? Like they weren't, Hey Justin, stick to sports. Jesus, I'm Justin. taking a name. I'm shut Jesus, up. I'm Justin. dribbling. That's Come me dribbling. On, man. Speaking of dribbling, um, I think we had a really good hot take out of the basketball world this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jay Williams, Jason Williams, uh, was responding to a discussion about Giannis needing a Pippin type co-star to join him, right? Well, some people said, oh, maybe Giannis is the Pippin and he's actually fine to Jordan. 
And Jay Williams chimed in and said, LeBron was a Pippin with D Wade. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and like, come on, man. Like, I don't know what definition you're using to say that LeBron James was the Pippin. So wait, you're like, saying Batman was actually Robin this entire time? That's what they're telling me. Oh. I'm not buying it. But anyway, get a new definition for who's the Batman and who's the Robin, uh, Jason Williams. Um uh, uh, I, I will saw. say I'm going to hit some of these hasty ones. We're going to do them hasty. We're going to get back on track and then All we're right, going to go off it, track. Baby. Get it, baby. Take us back. Get take it. Us back. So, uh, NFL haste take field Yates. Um, I don't know. I guess he's a fine person or whatever. He's got a very punchable <laughs> face, but that doesn't mean he's a bad person. Um, anyway, he listed out the 2012 to 2017 Jaguar first round picks and Concluded that none of them last more than five seasons with the team. Major whiffs. Uh, their rookie contracts only run up to five years, so you can choose to not re-sign them even if they're good because they toss, cost a ton of money, right? Uh, whether or not they were whiffs has little to do with whether you re-sign them, right? One of them is Leonard Fournette. You shouldn't re-sign that running back. You nope. should hope he's good for you, and then you should hope he's gone, right? Mm-hmm. They traded Jalen Ramsey. So they got something for him, along with very, very good play while he was there. Dante Fowler was a decent player while he was there. This is not all whiffs. Them leaving the team does not mean they're whiffs. Paying $20 million a year for a guy who's just okay, just because you happen to draft him, is actually a bad choice. Yes, that is what we uh, what they call in the business dead money, if you're just handing out money just to you know placate desires and I don't know. A good way and, to have dead money is to give overpay for your uh, draftees. Yeah, absolutely. So, and sure, you can have conversation about whether they should have kept Jalen Ramsey or whatever, right? Because of the talent he is. But that's separate from pretending those were all whiffs. It's not a whiff. You drafted a player and you went to multiple Pro Bowls. That is not a whiff. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> you know, it's too soon to say whether or not he's a Hall of Famer, but he is definitely Hall of Fame caliber talent. Right. Yeah, and, it's uh, like saying a quarterback draft pick is a whiff because he didn't win a Super Bowl in his rookie contract. Like that's not how this works, people. Yeah, people just need those hot takes to deliver to them. Just oh, this, like yeah. a little Caesar's pizza. Mm, Five dollars, hey, hot was, and ready. There was there was actually some little Caesar's slander on my timeline this past no week. Way. What people, did they say about the great pizza chain? Uh, somebody said that it was the only pizza they'd ever eaten in their entire life that was inedible. That and they didn't edible? understand that was inedible. inedible. To which I say, you've clearly never had like frozen Totinos or whatever that trash was. <laughs> That's literally Pop-Tart pizza. <laughs> it's the worst. It's like Pop-Tart pizza. And then people, you know, some people chimed in and said, hey, maybe you should understand that it's readily available and inexpensive. And yes, sometimes children like it and you don't have any children, you might be overlooking a large demographic for how Little Caesar stays in business, at which point people started shaming uh, parents for feeding their kids junk food. Oh, my gosh. Here, let me just just like, I, don't, I do not feed my kid Little Caesars. Me and my wife enjoy Little Caesars straight up because it is inexpensive and it is delicious. And if you have a problem with that, I don't care. But those tomatoes weren't like locally farmed, man. And it's not adjacent oh, to like a gastro pub. I don't care. That has fair trade, um, has fair trade something. 
<laughs> breadsticks. Right. It has. This is Fair trade crazy bread. Listen. Also, pop tarts for adults. Yeah, Pop-tart boy. Pop tart pizza. All right. Hey, last last yeah, tasty last, take, real yeah. quick, which is almost a take that unites us all, but not quite because it leaves just a few people out in the cold. Oh, yeah. Um, the gist of it is shut up and gallop. Because I'm sorry. They had <laughs> the Kentucky Derby recently happened. You probably didn't know. I, I never know. know when the Derby happens, if I'm being honest. Hey, that's, that's the way to live. Um, <laughs> it turns out this year, nobody knew it was happening. The ratings were like half of what they have been for the previous 20 years. From oh year my year, gosh. It's so year bad. To year, they're it's like so super bad. stable, right? There's not a lot of up and down. It's like 2020 is a weird year. A lot of things have happened. People have lost jobs, cut cable. Yeah. Yeah, sports is true. not normal. It's just not a part of your life anymore right now. 2020 Whatever. is going to be the year that people just like you're going to crap on for the rest of the time, I feel like. Oh, definitely. But anyway, so Jeff Schwartz did add in add in to the conversation and say, looking forward to the think pieces about the horses getting too political. <laughs> and so, yes, the numbers from the Kentucky Derby are, in fact, a very good reminder that if ratings or numbers do weird things in 2020, it might not be because of some political reason or some big thing that you think, right? There's a lot more nuance right now, which I know nuance is illegal on Twitter and the internet as a whole, but are you sure it's not are. because they're taking a nay for oh social justice? Boo <laughs> this man. We absolutely, we absolutely Cut that. we absolutely Cut. Cut. I'm that. the worst. I'm the worst. Well, are we done with hasty takes? Yes, we hasty. I think we can move on. Are we doing a college football roundup? We're going to do ourselves a college football roundup. Yeehaw! I'll kick this one off with a... uh, This was an interesting, weird story that developed, and everyone thought this was going to be the biggest story in college football until more things happened. But uh, the prodigal son was spotted in Athens, Georgia about... Who's that? That is uh, one Mr. Justin Fields, who is one of the highest rated high school recruits of all time, Um, played for the University of Georgia for one season as kind of a backup. His last played down the street at Harrison High School, too. Let's not forget. He's a a Hoya. Yeah. Uh, But he, our listeners already know this, he transferred to the Ohio State to get more playing time and some more spread offense and a nice Big Ten schedule and a loaded team. Uh, he came back to Athens just to hang out during the scrimmage because his team's not playing college football this year, at least not yet. And Any day are, now. They're coming back any day now. You're probably right. People are pretty pissed in Big Ten land. Um, but, yeah, he was just spotted hanging around. Uh, I guess he still has friends in te- in, on the team at University of Georgia. And some people made a big deal about it, but it was probably nothing. Um, he uh, has the same personal coach as uh, Jamie Newman, as Quincy Avery, who's, I guess, really popular with uh, up-and-coming pro prospects. But it was made more interesting that, uh, I guess, a few days later when Jamie Newman announced he wasn't going to play this year. And there have been a lot of hot takes and a lot of speculation. My favorite... ugh. So 
quote unquote favorite. My favorite in air quotes came from uh, the good folks at Dog Nation. If I don't know if our if all our listeners are aware of them, but they are a website I think associated with the AJC, and it is a Homer establishment for the University of Georgia. It's very poor coverage. It's very bad, as evidenced by uh, Mike Griffith, who in the weeks leading up to this announcement was hyping up Jamie Newman as Heisman hopeful, key piece to the Georgia Bulldogs winning a national championship in 2020. Went on the Paul Weinbaum's show and said, yeah, he probably wasn't going to win the starting job anyway. So does, doesn't, doesn't suck so bad. It's actually better for us. And I think it sums up a lot of what I hate about kind of like Homer establishment media. Like it's cool that it's there, but it often is sort of that like, I don't know, mercurial placating of, and always trying to not just see the sunny side up, but if anybody is like, if there's any former player or any rival team, you just have to like piss on them because that's like what you do. And uh, I really hated they did that. I thought it sucked. Um, the timing of Jamie Newman's decision is kind of weird because it was about three weeks left before the start of the season. Um, they had just had their first scrimmage. And... Some people have speculated, oh, he didn't play very well in the scrimmage. Um, I haven't, people who were at the scrimmage didn't seem to indicate that he had a poor showing or anything. But uh, people seem to, but there's been a lot of people who have joined Mike Griffin and said, oh, he probably was losing the, the quarterback competition to JT Daniels or Dewan Mathis or whoever. But I mean, the timing does kind of indicate that, but that does not necessarily mean what happened. No. I think, yeah, and here's a here's some other timing things that happened. You know, the University of Georgia did re- announce like nearly a thousand new cases of COVID. Um, I he and he in his statement cited that cited COVID nineteen as a reason why he was opting out. I don't think it is. I think it's very much a football career decision, but I don't think it was uh, him losing the job because it seemed like all all indications were that he was the presumed starter. Um, you know, another piece of context people are missing out is that Jamar Chase and a bunch of other players at LSU have also opted out of the season. And uh, it seems like a lot of the big pro prospects are not going to play this year. Or a lot, many notable ones are not going to because they're probably being told by agents and scouts it's not worth the risk. And I don't blame them because I think this season's going to suck no matter what. So I think that's all I got to say about Jamie Newman. You guys got any other thoughts? I don't think this season will suck, but I do think it's intelligent to realize it's a unique season and that you can probably um, set it out or do something weird and not really have as much blowback as you would in a traditional season. Right. So it it is smart to probably do that if you feel like your draft stock is high. I don't know why Jamie Newman would feel his draft stock is really high. I mean, he was a quarterback at Wake Forest, so that's not exactly like trailblazer, world beater, Wake Forest. I mean, that's po- it's possible. I mean, it is possible that he might not have been winning a job and he might have felt like, well, I'll just, you know, opt out and hope my post or my offseason hype will get me a good draft spot. But that just seems, doesn't seem kind of like kind of loony. To you guys? Well, it's just, you know, like you're saying, this year is a bit of a high risk, high reward season for players like him, right? It's high risk for everybody. For some guys, it's not necessarily high reward. For him, it probably is, right? Mm-hmm. If he had a really good year this year, 
which is definitely possible given the situation. It's very easy to see him having a good year, having physical talent measurables, being a first or second round pick. It's also very possible that he could have twisted an ankle or gotten COVID and had to sit out for a week or two weeks or a month and lost his starting job through no fault of his own. True. And so then you now lost the starting job and that's going to be how people think of you when you go to get drafted. And now they're like, okay, should we draft a guy that wasn't quite good enough to be a starter in college? Is he going to be the guy that leads us to a Super Bowl? Right. So with his whole thing, there's a lot of unknowns, right? Was he probably going to be the guy that won the job? Yes. Is it impossible that he could have gotten beaten out? No. As a new quarterbacks coach, new offensive coordinator, people are starting over a little bit fresh, right? He's competing against another guy that has also started at a better school than where Jamie Newman was coming from. Um, So it's very possible. Could he have decided that he just wanted to avoid the whole COVID thing? You know, he could have had like a family member that recently got sick. And then he saw firsthand, oh, this is really bad. I don't want to be around this, right? Did an agent, you know, pressure him and pressure him. And eventually he kind of said, okay, maybe I should just sit out. It's a good business decision or just a safe business decision. It's in general, we don't have enough information to have like really good takes or opinions on that, which is why the Mike Griffith thing is so dumb, right? Yeah, it's uh, definitely low-hanging fruit. De- definitely gets clicks. And all these Georgia fans who still want to feel pretty jazzed about their season are like, well, yeah, screw him. He ain't got no physicality or composure or mental toughness to be a Georgia Bulldog. Uh, yeah, I was ex- I was kind of bummed. I was really excited to watch him play. But, you know, best of luck. I did like uh, Wes Blankenship had a really funny tweet about it. Where he was talking about all the, uh, you know, the great athletes who had a uh, very brief stints with brief stints being in the, uh, the Atlanta sports scene. He's got a picture of Jamie Newman filming the hype video and he's got Brett Favre <laughs> as an Atlanta Falcon. He's got uh, Randy. Oh John- my gosh. Story about Randy Johnson being drafted by the Braves. Did the Braves really draft Randy Johnson? It hurts so good. I don't think I don't know if we draft so him. Good. I think we might have traded spots to get somebody else, and the, that pick was used to pick. I mean, Randy uh, Johnson kind of bounced around, so whatever. Did he ever pitch well against us? I don't remember. Uh, no, they haven't shown they haven't shown the perfect game fifteen times on whatever highlight reel you look up. Gosh, you know what's funny? I'm pretty sure that either before the perfect game or after the perfect game, we played the Brewers and they struck out like 20 people, 20 Braves. Yeah. I think it was a guy, what was his name? It was a guy who won the gold medal for the U.S. in the 2000 Olympics. What was his name? Oh, my gosh. There was this pitcher for the Brewers. who was off the chain back then. He struck out like 20 Braves. And then immediately after that, it was like, oh, now you get to face Randy Johnson. And it was like a back-to-back Ben something. What's his name? I'm going to look it up. Ben Sheets. Ben Sheets. Yes, it was Ben Sheets. Ben Sheets. Ben Sheets struck out 20 Braves or so right around there. 
And then immediately after that, it was like, oh, now you get to face Randy Johnson. And so it was like. That was your get right game. Yeah. (laughs) It was like, uh, I'm pretty sure Brent Sheets uh, pitched for the Braves at some point. I don't know when, but. That sounds, that seems familiar. Do y'all think, uh, think. reel us back into college football world, do y'all think Florida is now the favorite to win the East? As Herb no. Street and many others, no, absolutely no. not. That's just them trying to like make headlines and get clicks. Now, I, I do think it narrows the gap a little bit, right? Like if previously it was you know seventy or eighty percent Georgia and twenty or thirty percent Florida, you could convince me that it you know takes ten percent off Georgia and puts it on Florida, and maybe it's a little bit closer now, right? Because yeah. now without Newman, you do have an actual significant chance of the quarterback play just being kind of meh before you had two guys that were both previously starters coming to compete for one starting job so you had the better of two starting caliber upperclassmen quarterbacks who were going to be drafted so there's like almost no way in that scenario you get poor quarterback play right it's true and that so is- now you just don't have that same amount of depth and also you know you're like one ankle or knee or positive tests away from throwing out somebody that you didn't want to be starting, which in this year is even bigger than usual. And it seemed like you had a nice backup option where it's like, okay, if Newman wins and, oh, he has a positive test, we'll just get the other starter. He's hanging out. He's ready to go. And now you don't have that. Yeah. It it hurts more for like the, conference title playoff national title odds than it does for the east odds in my opinion yeah i would right. say it's fair because florida has a lot of attrition a lot of skill positions they lost a lot of wide receivers and we've known you know bill Connolly has pointed out in his writing that having returning production at wide receiver is actually pretty valuable and underrated mm-hmm. um yeah it's extremely valuable a lot of times people just look at whether your quarterback's coming back or not and they forget the other half of the passing statistics. Yeah, so Georgia has that big time receiver coming back though. We got yeah, Pickens. Pick, Pickens. Pickens. Yeah, he's good. Which is which is will be good. They've lost Blaylock to ACL injury again, which sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not good for the offense. That combined with the quarterback in the same week, it was it's not a good week. And a new offensive coordinator is the the trend for offensive coordinators in their first year is not great. It's usually they no. have a second year bump in production. But and this be- is not the year to have a new offensive coordinator either, I don't think. Yeah, so Georgia's defense is supposed to be really good. 10-game uh, schedule, I probably see them winning about eight games, probably dropping two. Yeah. At least eight. Yeah, the, lucky. the argument for Florida – uh, which in a different year would be a lot more of a talk, have to talk yourself into a thing. But this year it's like, okay, same coordinator, same quarterback, same defensive coordinator. That kind of stability probably means a little bit more than usual um, in a shortened offseason year, right? True. But at the end of the day, they don't really have enough talent, I don't think. So. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy to think that Jim McElwain has, I don't know, he's probably recruited about the same as Dan Mullen. I know that they haven't been on a a recruiting hot streak since uh, 
Mullen landed in Gainesville. They've had some good no, players. Not at all. But I mean, they've just they've been recruiting at like the Mark Rick level, right? Where it's like consistently good, and you're looking up to the teams that have been recruiting right. consistently great. Top ten in the nation, but maybe fifth or sixth in the SEC. Yeah, sometimes seventh or eighth. Yeah. So woof. That's just how it goes. I feel so bad for them. Why? But I know David Pollock did uh, say, right, that with Jamie Newman, Georgia was his pick to win the national title. And after Jamie Newman opted out, he said he's back to picking between Bama and Clemson. See, I feel like, because I was pretty hyped on Newman because I watched some of his past games and he definitely had like the big arm. He kind of struggled in that intermediate game and the offense they ran away for us was just stupid. Like they had this like read option play where Jamie Newman would just hang on to the ball for like four seconds. That, that actually worked for them. They actually hacked the system. <laughs> yeah, it did work. It was just goofy. Oh, it was um, extremely goofy. Yeah. Probably wouldn't work uh, against Alabama a defenses, but well, the reason that it was working is because that whole like RPO zone read kind of approach, right. Is trying to make the defense, make the wrong read. Mm -hmm. And so by refusing to actually hand the ball off, the defense had to like wait longer and longer to make their read. Right. So it's like, right. If you want to pull the ball and throw it downfield, you've had an extra second of your receivers had a chance to get open. And the rest of the defense is just sitting there in limbo waiting. I don't know. Yeah. It was actually pretty cool, but it is kind of neat to our listeners who don't know what we're talking about. Just imagine two grown men holding one football together <laughs> and walking together very walking forward very slowly for about three seconds. And uh, one of them is <laughs> yeah. gonna keep the ball. And you don't know who. That was it the was, play. Yeah, it was so goofy. But. Kind of fun. <clears throat> so speaking of weird goofy offenses mike bobo is the the offensive coordinator in columbia south carolina and he's bringing back the i formation bring back power football with the fullback and uh he had a really interesting soundbite with uh who is this? this is a guy from the athletic uh josh kendall who writes for the athletic uh here's a here's his tweet new OC Mike Bobo is bringing the huddle back to South Carolina football. And here's Mike Bobo. And I'm going to try to talk the way I think Mike Bobo talks. No huddle football is uh, very, uh, very effective. It stresses the defense. It allows you to sometimes get cheap yards. But to me, football has fundamentally gone downhill because of going so fast. I, I got to say, Bobo is much more gravelly. Is he? Yeah, think about the, you know, channel a little bit more like offensive line coach cussing at people. No huddle football is very effective. That's actually a lot closer, I think. <laughs> That's fine. I can't do that. Uh, man, so Mike Bobo is not Ricky Bobby, people. He doesn't like going fast. Uh, <laughs> and I thought that was a really puzzling thing, puzzling observation for him to it's make too good. It's too easy. We're not doing it. Right. Some of it has to be, you know, I feel like Mike, or excuse me, yeah, Will Muschamp has to be one of those coaches who just salivates the idea of winning a football game 12 to 3. 
<laughs> maybe that's just you know the head coach talking there but uh yeah i thought that was amusing i'm looking forward to see uh, mike boba back in the sec running the i formation you know lord knows we we were so frustrated with it in athens when he was here are are there any notable fullbacks that are out there for him to pick up and add to his <sighs> team john do you know born and bred to be fullbacks yeah john you know one who is meant designed by god to be a fullback no christened by their parents here's the thing when i read this tweet you know how twitter will populate the replies for you right i'm just gonna read you what it's shown me because it's the most south carolina game caught thing i've ever read in my life there is a very real chance south carolina wins four or less games this year and we won't be able to fire Muschamp because of his $13.3 million buyout. Think about that. The best comment is the reply to that. To be fair, there is a chance because of unknowns that this is a magical year for my Gamecocks. I really feel it may be too. The only thing I'm worried about is wide receiver. And I think we have the speed and intelligence there. We just have to see if they can catch. All right, speed and intelligence. Guys, here's the thing. <laughs> South Carolina's not having a magical year. They're not having a magical year. <laughs> yeah. It just makes me laugh. And I shouldn't laugh, but I should laugh. <laughs> well, I hey, can't. How, how about this? If I was to go and look at ESPN's like FPI, Football Power Index projections sure. for South Carolina... How many wins do you think they're going to have projected? Five, five, three, four, or five. I'll say Let's three. Let's see. Let's see. Five probably, is high too. In a ten, ten, ten win season, ten game season, though. Think yeah, about that. So three, high. three and a half. They got them at three and a half. Oh, that seems pretty, pretty fair. Would you like to know the chances of them going undefeated? Yes, please. Zero point zero. Statistically <laughs> <laughs> impossible. Chance of winning the conference. 0. 0.0. Well, who are, are their two? West opponents? Uh, their West opponents, oh, there's so many this year. Um, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, Old Miss. Yep. So That's in that sense, rough. I mean, it's actually not that bad. It's pretty average because they missed Alabama. Because they miss Alabama, they got to play Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M. Well, LSU, LSU doesn't have any players left. Right? Yeah, they don't. So they're like, gonna be a shell of their former yeah. selves. Yeah, but you say that all you want is LSU. Coach O's gonna get his boys ready to play. <laughs> but I think this year they're gonna have guys like walking over from La Tech, just like hopping on the field. It might not be LSU. Yeah, uh, you might not be wrong. But, they lost a ton. But yeah, I mean, sure, they could replace LSU with like Arkansas, and it would definitely be easier. And then maybe they'd be projected at four wins instead of three and a half. I think it's Arkansas. Yeah. Yep. But for Georgia, that's a practice game. For South Carolina, that's like a we're winning four instead of three this year kind of game. So. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Magical magical season five and five. If only they had the plug and play. Uh, star player at fullback. Have you guys heard of Chevy Stout? No, who is this guy? He is, a, I actually don't know much about him, but uh, West Blankenship tweeted about him because he is a high school football player prospect and he plays fullback and his name is Chevy Stout and he looks very stout. And I don't know, I think it's, it is definitely 
worth uh, just admiring and respecting that this young man's parents named him uh, almost as if they knew he was going to play the fullback position. Cause that is like, if I was playing like build your own player in Madden, and I was going to play fullback. I don't know if I could come up with anything better than Chevy stout. Uh, apparently he plays at Concordia. It's an NAIA school in Nebraska. All right. Yeah. I'm trying to find his weight. He is a very thick individual. He's just like a big walking neck roll. Right. <laughs> he does have the big neck roll. Mm-hmm. It's That's perfect. old school. But he looks like one of those guys that's about 5'10", 250, and just like a big Ugh. battering ram of a human being. I'd like to see him on a fullback dive on the goal line. He well, said, if uh, he played for Bobo, you going to get it. You're going to get it. going to get Wes, it. you going to get it. Yeah, Wes tweeted out, BYU football, bring him home. Is BYU fullback you? I'm not sure be. why not. I you mean, they, got a, they have a lot of like 5'10", thick white dudes that are 25 years old. When, so I feel like I feel like when Mark Rick was at Georgia, it used to be Georgia. Yes, we, we did have Sean Chappis, who was pretty good fullback. We had Brandon yeah. Sutherland. We had who was the other dude? Gosh, was it was name? Bruce Figgins one year. That's right. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. Of yeah. It's a little you misleading because it, it was mostly just the team that was still using fullbacks. Yeah. Because <laughs> like yeah. you notice, none of those guys are exactly like NFL studs. Yeah, some teams have like an H back, which is kind of like a fullback, but a little different. No, yeah. I'm, I, I mean they're not studs, Scott. That's what I'm saying. Says you, you they're fullbacks. <laughs> they're fullbacks. But Do you remember free. Peyton Hillis and the Arkansas offense? Listen, Scott knows that when I played Madden, Peyton Hillis was always my running back. <laughs> Why? Because he was underrated. You get him for so cheap. He had mm-hmm. one great year, and then that was it. He got hey, Madden it, cursed. So he hard. got Madden so cursed hard. so hard, and so then I, that was the year I actually. I think that was the last time I played Madden. Honestly, I had Tebow quarterback and Peyton Hillis running back. <laughs> and so Shane, dream team, <laughs> Shane Buch, Buchler at kicker because he was filthy. Dream team. That's like all fullbacks. You got a fullback at quarterback, a fullback at running back, a fullback at kicker. You're you're right, and because his overall rating was crap, but man, he had a cannon for a leg, and so like, <laughs> well, I'll control the aim. Don't worry about it. As long as he's got the power. <laughs> yeah, you'll move on. Probably. Yeah, we probably should. I did. The, the Big Ten might play. Some people want to. Some people don't want to. <laughs> but then the people that want to are real loud, and the people that don't want to are sometimes pretending they want to, but sometimes also are like, I'll sue you. And then other people are like, I'll sue you too. And they're like, I'll see you in hell after we play football. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys hear that Dave Portnoy is going to disown the University of Michigan if they sit out the season? What does that mean? I don't know. I, I didn't know, know he was a Michigan. Either. I didn't know he was a Michigan fan, but apparently he is. And uh, Dave Portnoy, uh, cult leader of Barstool, survivor of COVID-19 too. Congratulations, Dave. Uh, doesn't want anything to do with them if they don't sit out this year. And I can only assume it's because he just, you know, probably sees it as a weak sauce move to not play football. I don't know. He had it, you know, looked like death for a week. It's back to work. Doesn't, you know, seems fine. Whatever. He's back to eating pizzas and losing money in the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, I guess we'll talk about the other football league of uh, professional athletes who get paid. 
The NFL is back. Chiefs took on the Texans. I watched some of that game. It was pretty fun. The Chiefs are very, very good. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. Hold like, on. Stop the presses. Super Bowl slump be damned. Like, they look freaking good. And uh, I wasn't... I kind of scratched my head when they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round. But, man, he had him for yeah. break, breaking ankles all over that field. Yeah, it's sort of one of those choices where it's a little weird. Because you're like, okay, you could probably draft a player at a more important position in the first round or a position where it's hard to get a really good player. They could have probably found another running back that was like ready to go in the second round. But also he is really good and he's going to immediately be really good for them like all season long. So it's not like that bad of a pick either, right? It'll be great for his fantasy career. Yeah, a lot of people are lamenting not drafting him because he did put up 130 yards, something like that. He's like one of, I think, three or four rookie running backs to get that yardage total in their first game. So that's pretty significant. Um, But the kickoff to the season was as big a shit show as you could have dreamed it to be. Uh, There was, I don't know if it was a protest or misunderstanding, but the Houston Texans did stay in the locker room during the the national anthem. Um, Leave it. It would have never would have pegged the Texans to to be the team to not take part in the national anthem. That's another. But uh, yeah, there was also some booing when they did do like a. It wasn't a kneel, but it was like a solidarity moment for social justice. So uh, kind of a bad look for the NFL fans. Um, and everybody's looking at the poor ratings performance, which was a 13% dip from last year and saying, ha, see, nobody wants politics in their football. And as we've demonstrated, as we already talked about on the show, uh, people are just not tuning into sports that much this year. You see that in horse racing, baseball, college football. So a lot of teams have made their decisions for their 53 man rosters and uh, b- beloved college kicker and also UGA alumnus Wes, or excuse me, Ro- Rodrigo Blankenship is the starting place kicker for the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, people are wanting to know w- those who drafted him to be their kicker in their fantasy leagues are wondering how can I name my team after Rodrigo Blankenship? <laughs> and uh, favorite take giver and. Uh, maybe mascot of the podcast, we hope. I don't know. Wes Blankenship had a really good <laughs> proposition on what to name your fantasy team if you want it to be Hot Rod themed. And he said, let's talk about specs. <laughs> That's pretty good. The other one uh, down the in the replies was specs in the city. <laughs> oh, just, nice. I just had specs. <laughs> And it felt so good. Uh, the Michael Bolton one from SNL. Yeah, I just had specs. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, he is uh, referred to affectionately by Dog Nation as Rec Specs because he wears recreational spectacles. He is what we call a bespectacled individual. So I thought, that was, I thought that was funny. I thought that was what the NFL world needed to lighten the right. mood. Uh, right. ESPN.com had a list of bold statements 
for uh, bold predictions for the 2020 season. And I looked at them and there's a lot of bold ones. Here's one that's absolutely not going to happen. You hear it? Yeah, I do. The Dallas Cowboys will have 3,000 yard pass catchers. (laughs) What kind of freaking prediction is that? That is like, well, here's the thing. So many. They have some good wide receivers because they got Amari Cooper and they got CeeDee Lamb and they got Randall Cobb. But, like, you're talking about greatest show on turf kind of numbers. Like, that happens maybe once every 15 years in the league where teams have, like, 3,000-yard rec- uh, receivers. Uh, it ain't going to happen with this Dallas Cowboys squad because, as you know, they, ain't, they don't even have a shot to win the, uh, the East, the NFC East. So, <laughs> here's another bold prediction. Aaron Rodgers will win his third MVP. He's good. I don't know about that. Probably not going to happen. You got to get help in Green Bay first. Okay, here's a here's another here's another one. These are also uh, not compatible with each other. Kyler Murray will win the MVP. I mean, I wouldn't say he's going to win the MVP, but I guess it's like not insane. Yeah, I mean, he's Kyler talented. I mean, what was insane was when people said he's more likely to win the MVP than like I don't know. Or it was it Skip back in the offseason. Said he was the favorite to win the MVP. Did y'all see that this upcoming Madden game features Colin Kaepernick? Yes. Did you know that Colin Kaepernick is rated higher than Kyler Murray? That's interesting. I it's don't. Interesting, but it's true. <laughs> are you trying to? Are you trying to bait us into having? an opinion about Colin Kaepernick because I thought that was a hard and fast rule in the show. I am stating facts. (laughs) He is in the upcoming Madden game or the the game that's already been released. I don't really play Madden anymore. Well, it sucks. I'm not sure if it's out or not. It does suck. I'm not sure if it's out or not. It might already be out, but he is in the game as a, I guess, free agent. I don't really know. Well, that would be the only new thing they've uh, included in Madden this year is the inclusion of Colin Kaepernick. I'll there was a lot of that. buzz on uh, the Twitter sphere about his rating and how it was higher than Kyler Murray's and a, and a handful of other quarterbacks. I'm not sure who. He's in the like 80s, like low 80s, and there's like a lot of quarterbacks that are like pretty good that are in like that are underneath him, like Roethlisberger or Kyler Murray was one that really stuck out. And I was just, I was smiling as I read it. (laughs) Well, I feel like, I feel like Colin Kaepernick, any time, any conversation around Colin Kaepernick is just, you know, conversation napalm in the NFL world. Like there is no good way for it to go. So to save us from the division that we might cause between ourselves and our, and or our listeners, would you like it if I could give you a take that? will unite us absolutely i always want to feel united in these troubling times when the bonds we all share are threatened to be torn asunder by the quick takes the hot takes the medium rare takes and the takes that are doomed to be deleted on twitter tomorrow we need a sports take to bring us back together now more than ever these are the takes that unite us this one's actually a little bit old Uh, i think scott sent this to me on Twitter, and I was just looking over um, all the takes we've, uh, you guys have been sending in. I was like, well, we have to touch on this <laughs> because it's it's about raising canes, and raising canes is 
unquestionably the best chicken tendy establishment in this fine country. <laughs> it really is. It's kind of not an opinion. It's kind of an objective fact at this point. So this take comes to us from the Crimson White, which is the student newspaper or student news source at the University of Alabama. I can't say newspaper because mm-hmm. they're probably not printing anymore. <laughs> and it, they have a uh, location of Raising Cane's on campus. Um, I okay. believe Raising Cane's has been very strategic. It's based out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So mm-hmm. it's the, all the rage over there. But uh, they're very strategic on having locations throughout other SEC schools because LSU fans travel really, really well and they love Raising Cane's. Also, this right. it's just very kind of them to share that goodness with the rest of us non Louisianans. Uh, so this here's a statement uh, about the Raising Canes on campus. Breaking. Mm-hmm. The campus location of Raising Canes will remain closed this semester until y'all get your act together. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they'd do that in Athens. I wish the Raising Canes we have here is not on campus, but um, it almost is. It's not, but I almost wish they would just close it down and be like, listen, kiddos. So you get your numbers down. Y'all, y'all aren't getting more chicken fingers. That's it. Cutting you You're off. You're done. You're done. And I don't know which part's unifying. I don't know if it's the. Uh, so the, the part that's unifying is that everyone is down for fried chicken. And when you have a fried chicken chain saying that they're not going to serve fried chicken until people adhere to basic normal things like wearing a mask and staying six feet apart one another it's really not that hard even if you don't want to like no one likes doing it it's not why you do it you just got to do it and then you get to have if nothing else you get to enjoy the tenders like i don't Mm, this isn't hard you want to have can we talk about the the uga health department release about how to safely have intercourse during the pandemic to to wear a mask and to choose positions that kept you from having much face-to-face contact. Listen, the UGA health department came out and said to basically do it doggy style because that's safer than doing it the other way because your faces aren't in each other's face. And then they said hashtag dogs on top. No, they didn't hashtag that. I don't know if they did, but I just created it. Coffee. It's now truth. <laughs> uh, if only they could. Uh, do y'all ever seen that movie? Um, what's it called? With Russell, or excuse me, well, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes, Demolition, Demolition Man. Man. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the 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 quote unquote sex scene <laughs> with no. uh, Sandra Bullock? They just oh. put on these headsets, and it just like stimulates their like I guess the parts oh. of their brain. <laughs> It's just, like really, it's just really weird. It's probably the most uncomfortable thing in that movie to me. The future, the future is now, though. Right. If only they could have done that. I look forward to our KFC overlords. Amen. Fried chicken is a language everyone speaks in this country. Well, you know? not, I, don't, I not can't think vegans. of a better. Not vegans, but they're lost. <laughs> I can't think <laughs> of a better thing to leave the good people with and fried chicken is the universal language of the people. And if you have a Raising Cane's within a hundred mile radius of where you live, take the trip, go to the Raising Cane's, get the box combo or the Caniac. Be they, fat like be fat like me and get the Caniac. Don't and be careful. Box. Be careful. That chicken will be so hot. I, I knew someone who's hot. 
piping. I had a friend I have a friend who used to work there and he said that any chicken that was left on the rack longer than five minutes was thrown away. They're serious about the tenders. They're thing. wasting you know. so many chickens just to scald your mouth. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> this will not damage anyone that orders it. Throw it away. Oh my gosh. So get off your ass. Go to raising canes. Get some fried chicken. Also, if uh, saving the college football season wasn't enough motivation to wear a mask, wear a mask so you can get some raisin canes. It has been the take that united. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Yeah, Au revoir. Right. Stay blessed. Au revoir. Stay blessed. It this means so much. Been Yes. It means Thanks, so much Mom. that they listen. Thanks. This has been Let Them Eat Takes. Thanks, Mama remember, Fudge. When the <laughs> when the outrage takes come, just stay cool. Because, you know, not everyone has a brain. Stay cool. Stay frosty, kids. Stay cool. Stay cool. It's a burning up out there.